0: Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick. Unfortunately, Seamus Clancy is off this week, so I'm flying solo, but there is still plenty to talk about, plenty to be excited about uh, in Philadelphia sports right now. You have your Philadelphia Phillies postseason bound for the first time in over a decade with a win over the Astros. You have your Philadelphia Eagles 4-0. and the only team in the NFL that remains undefeated after a gutty win against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson. You have the Philadelphia 76ers playing some basketball. Uh, you're getting some preseason action in all reports from training camp. I've been pretty positive. Some, a lot of good stuff. Um, so a lot of excitement and a lot of reasons to be optimistic about your Philadelphia 76ers. And the Philadelphia has a hockey team. So there's that too. Um, no, listen, I, I, we have been so negative about the Flyers, and I think most of that is pretty darn fair. But I, I, this week, I want to give you one reason. One reason for my optimism with the Flyers. So I will get into that uh, at the end. And look, normally, this is where we start talking about the Eagles, right? I, we have to talk about the Phillies. This team ended a postseason dr- drought that was the longest in the National League Hadn't made the playoffs since 2011. We all know how that ended. Uh, it basically ended those glory years. The 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 Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley um, core that had been so successful that gave us so many fantastic seasons and so many wonderful memories. A lot of you that are hearing this, it probably was transformative for you. As a Philadelphia sports fan, uh, for me in my early 20s, it was just like a perfect time for that to happen. Those guys are just um, you know, we're indebted to those players for what they contributed to to the city. And let me tell you, six, 26, and 11, they all better be retired at some point or very soon. And I would say 35 too. Uh, for, for me, Cole Hamill's, I would retire that number too, but uh, we'll see when and if that happens. Maybe we're waiting for the official retirement of Cole Hamill's to make all that happen. But you know, and, and there's a reason why I bring that up and why I, I kind of talk so glowingly. reflecting on that. We've been talking on this podcast. We've been so apathetic about the Phillies, right? Because it felt like, all right, they're going to make the wild card. It's going to happen, but you know, they're kind of backing in. It's kind of not looking so good. They've had injuries. They're limping to the finish line. And so it was just, and it's, you know, baseball is just that, right? It's a long season. It's 162 games. So that that's bound to happen. But I got to say last night, was fun. It just was. It was so fun to watch this team the way they did it. Aaron, Ola look, and you're not going to find a guy who has given Aaron Nola a harder. Well, maybe not. You'll probably find a guy who's given Aaron Nola a harder time. But I will be open that I was one of the people that has not been one of Aaron Nola's biggest supporters. But, man, hell of a game last night. Took a perfect game into the seventh inning. And, listen, I got some beef with NBC Sports Philadelphia with their low perfect game alert. Listen. I get it. Superstitions aren't real, but we all need to hang on to something here. And I, I just wasn't a fan of them putting right in the score bug. Perfect game alert. Not necessary. We all know what's happening. Um, We all have Twitter. We all know it, it's not necessary, but anyway, hell of a performance from Aaron Nola, six and two thirds scoreless innings against that team. You know, the Houston Astros are a juggernaut, man. That's a great ball club. The first hit he gives up is against Jordan Alvarez, who is a fantastic hitter. One of the best hitters, in the American League, who Nola had gotten, who sh- struck out in the two at-bats prior. So, you know, for it to end like that, I-, I I get it. And I thought, you know, Rob Thompson, kudos to him for pulling the trigger on that, you know, six and two-thirds. And going to Alvarado, who I'm going to get into it for a minute, who's been lights out for this team. But yeah, uh, in a weird way, I feel like the breaking up of the perfect game slash no-hitter is going to help them in the long run because they need Aaron Nola to pitch game two. Um, so with that, he's going to get this break. He didn't have to throw. You know, he didn't o- overexert himself. I think he was below 90 pitches on the night. So in the long run, this could be a huge benefit that he didn't pitch a perfect game, as weird as that sounds. But kudos to Aaron Nolan. You got to give the guy his flowers. He, he did a really great job in September. He pitched really well. And, you know, here we are. And He's going to, you know, game two, he's going to get another chance. It's an opportunity to shine, another opportunity to kind of Prove us the tractors wrong and say, Here you go. Uh, you know, I, I am a big game pitcher, I can do the thing. Um, and I think that's what's exciting about the Phillies, too, right? You have Wheeler and Nola as your one two. I'd put them up against a lot of other one two duos in, in the national league, maybe even in all of baseball. So that's big. That's big to have that, you know. As, as you know, again, as Phillies fans, we've experienced how how important it is to kind of have those guys at the top of the rotation and what that can do and how that can change a series. And you know how how Dominic Cole Hamills was in two thousand eight and how that really propelled them uh, to win the whole damn thing. So, yeah, they're set up for success. Friday, Friday, there is playoff Phillies baseball on Friday. It's looking like the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm not, listen, this, this this is a hell of a ball club. They have two of the best players in the National League and Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. Their bullpen is sensational. They have some good starting pitching. But I would say, when I look, Adam Lainwright, he's tight. Ty- I get it. He's ageless. He's 40 years old, but he's ageless. He, he's been so good in the postseason and so clutch for so long that I don't want to dismiss that. Uh, they have Miles uh, Michaelis, who is also a very good pitcher, but I, I like my chances with Nola and Wheeler. I really do. Um, And then the third, you're looking at game three. If it gets to that, you're looking at Quintana and, and Ranger Suarez, which I like that matchup too. I, I think they have a shot if it's the St. Louis Cardinals. The It being on the road, of course, makes that tougher. Uh, It certainly will make that tougher. The good news is it appears Kyle Schwarber who I would say between him and J.T. Rumuto, one of them is the MVP of this team. Perhaps they split that, but Kyle Schwarber looks like he's getting hot again at the exact right time, which is very good news. Um, Bryson Stott also looks like he's getting he's warming up a little bit as, as the season winds down here. They're going to need other guys to step up. There's no doubt about it. Another guy, uh, Brandon Marsh, uh, is OPS over 900 over his last like 20 games or so. He's been really good down the stretch, too. Uh, other than that flap against the Cubs and that weird fly ball that he misplayed been pretty darn, pretty, pretty darn guard defensively as advertised. There's a lot of things to like about this Philly team, man. There really is. Um, and I talked about Jose Alvarado and uh, the numbers on Jose Alvarado. So in his last 41 games, Jose Alvarado, 37 innings pitched a 1.22 ERA. 64 strikeouts in 37 innings. He's only allowed five earned runs, a fifth below one. Opponents hitting 153 against him, 224 on base percentage, 237 slugging. The OPS 460. Like he has been as dominant as you could possibly be. Um, it, it, it's hard to argue that there's been a better left-handed reliever in all of baseball during the stretch that's how good it's been for alvarado and you got to give the guy so much credit right like he was he was terrible to start the season he was really rough goes down to the minors um they you know he's been open about working with a mental skills coach he added that cutter at 95 miles an hour that's become a really dangerous weapon for him he's their best reliever he's their guy he's kind of the josh Hader, bullpen weapon guy that you just use in a high leverage situation so whether it's the seventh eighth or ninth he's the guy you throw out there when you need big outs and big spots against big hitters so I, I i'm really excited to see how he does in the postseason i'll be honest and i'm a little worried about the rest of the bullpen you know zach Eveling gets the save last night his first career save and that ends an 11-year playoff drought which is wild but give him credit again for hanging in there for all the crap he's dealt with this year with injuries and over his career with injuries and him and Nola are the two longest tender Phillies and, and all, you know, all the stuff they've gone through all the losing, all, all the, the, the kind of turmoil with, with the managers and with the front office. And here we are with those two guys kind of leading the way. It's a pretty cool story. You got to say, and like you it, it feel so good for a guy like Reese Hoskins, who's in the same boat as those two who just he's talking about much maligned like i don't know that anybody gets as much crap as reese hoskins uh, in this city as any athlete and he's a pretty darn good ball player i get it you know he's not pete alonzo he's not one of the best first basemen in the game but he's a good baseball player and um it was a very cool moment the interview entered the game just the pure emotion he had it was so genuine so real curses on live tv which is wonderful um and I love that celebration too, where Rob Thompson gives a speech, they start spraying champagne juice They're a big fuck yeah. Ah, it's so good. Um so yeah, I, I as a fan, I was not anticipating I would be this excited when they actually did clinch, but it was cool, man. It was cool to see. And I think at this point, if you don't feel that way, come on. Like you're a hater. That that's it. Like you you're rooting for this team to fail. Um, if you're if today is the day you're ripping Aaron Nola, you're a hater. You're rooting for this team to fail. Like this, this is a good day to be a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Everyone should be excited. And look, maybe they lose two games in the Cardinals, and it's over. And they, you know, they they don't get a a home playoff game in Philly, which is a bummer. But this has been a fun ride, and this could set them up. These are the kind of things that can set a team up for the future. We all know what happened in 2007. They win the division. They get bounced by the Rockies. They come back in 2008, hungry, and they win the whole damn thing. Maybe we're setting up for something similar to that. Who knows? Um, and this it, Crazier things have happened, especially in baseball. Maybe this is a little justice, right, with the Cardinals for what we went through in 2011, what we had to endure when we thought we had that series. And the Cardinals come and take it out from under us, and, and, and they go on, and, and they win the World Series. Like, maybe this is our time. Maybe it's time to flip that script. That would be a lot of fun. But that looks like it's going to start on Friday, on Sunday. Your four and O Philadelphia Eagles, as mentioned, the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL. They will be taking on the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, four twenty five start there. Zach Ertz, our old friend there. We got to talk about Eagles Jaguars this past Sunday. Doug Peterson, I thought, man, it, it wasn't looking good, right, guys? It wasn't looking good. Fourteen nothing. The game starts. You know, the, the pick six, which is a rough play for for Hertz. The ball gets tipped up in the air. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars have that driver. They go right down the field, and you're thinking, uh oh, 14 nothing. Like maybe this is maybe this just isn't the day, right? Like maybe this, like the, the weather sucks. Doug Peterson's back in town. He's got his team hyped and ready to play. Maybe this is just it. Like maybe this is where the run ends. And you know, if that happened, I, I think you're okay with it. But this is the sign of a good team. They get down 14 nothing, they don't hang their heads. Jalen hurts as poised as poised can be um, leads the team down the field multiple times. Look, the, the numbers aren't pretty, right? 16 to 25, 204 yards, no touchdowns, uh, throwing one on the ground um, and interception. Those numbers don't look too great, but he made the plays that he had to make in order to help this team win game, win a game. Um, the rushing attack, spectacular miles sanders 27 carries 134 yards two touchdowns that's bell cow stuff that's number one running back stuff from miles sanders he's got three touchdowns he didn't have any last year we're in good shape like when sheamus and i were talking last week he brought up the point where is the weakness on this team and i said well if you're if you're really really searching for one maybe it's a running back huh. miles sanders said nah dude <laughs> that's not a weakness this is a really good running team. And, uh, and you have Jalen Hurts leading the way as well um, as a runner scoring a running touchdown too. It's just, it was a gutty performance, man. And, and I just love, again, the, the the dispersed nature of the offense. You have A.J. Brown starting again, five catches, 95 yards. Should have been six catches, should have been over 100, and a touchdown for his baby boy. That garbage call and offensive pass interference didn't agree with it. Um, that was on Dallas Goddard, who also another spectacular game, five catches, 72 yards for Goddard. Uh, he's having a great season. He's looking like he's going to be a pro bowler this year. Uh, it's he's really taking the mantle from Zach Ertz, and, you know, making it look like it's going to be a very easy uh, transition at the tight end position for the Eagles for a long time to come. The defense again, spectacular James Bradbury, a huge clutch pick as the Jaguars are moving down the field. Bradbury kind of, you know, comes off as man, Marvin Jones and, and, and undercuts a throw to, to Christian Kirk, who who clearly Lawrence was targeting an ad, item up. Bradbury read his eyes and just made a great athletic interception in a huge spot. Uh, D- Hassan Reddick, okay, I think Hassan Reddick is officially I- I- adjusting to being an Eagle. Two sacks, two strip sacks, sensational performance from from Hassan Reddick. The off, the defensive line in general, again, I thought was very very good. Uh, Lawrence dealt with a lot of pressure all day. T.J. Edwards got another sack, and it was again on a great play against Lawrence, who is. An extremely athletic quarterback, moving out of the pocket, closing that gap so quickly. TJ Edwards, this guy's the real deal. He looks tremendous. He's he's been one of their best players, um, regardless of position, regardless of side of the ball. One of their best players. He's been fantastic. Um, Kaiser White, th- those two together have just been outstanding. Look, that's this 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 Eagles team. Darius Slay gets hurt. Avante Maddox didn't play. He was out. Jordan Myelotta gets hurt. Isaac Sayamalu gets hurt. They overcome all of that and a 14 point deficit and wind up winning 29, 21. Again, just a gutty gritty effort. What is it with the Eagles in second quarters, man? They're just really good in the second quarter. It's the dominant dominant showing again. And I'm really looking forward to this matchup Sunday. It's going to be a test. This is not this Cardinals team is two and two, but they're not a pushover. Kyler Murray, extremely dangerous. They have some really good pieces on defense. This is a dangerous team. It's it's going to be another fun matchup. But as we talked about many times in this podcast, this Eagles schedule, man, it's breaking really nice for them. They're four and zero, and they're they're going to have a chance to stack some wins. And not only that, the New Orleans Saints. Thank you for, for that trap pick. It's the number four overall pick. The Eagles might win their division, and also have the number number a uh, top five pick. Like credit where it's due. Howie Roseman is cleaning up a mess. It's a mess he created, <laughs> but he cleaned it up. And he's, and this is this, this team looks really good. It's really hard to see the flaws in it. They look outstanding. This is a good football team I got to give credit to Zach McPherson too. Cause I never, I've not known what to make of him, you know, rookie last year in his second season, but he was pretty darn good filling in for slay. I, I thought he did a really nice job. Josiah Scott was fine. Uh, you know, we had a couple rough moments, but. Not an easy situation for him. Christian Kirk's one of the best slot receivers in the game. So that wasn't the easiest spot for him. But hey, he hung in there. And, and as a defense, they hung in there. They got the job done. Hell of a win for your Philadelphia Eagles. 4-0. We'll see them on Sunday against the Cardinals. Seamus and I will be back then to break down that game next Tuesday. We're going to take a quick break here on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. We'll be right back uh, talking some Sixers and some flyers right after this. <music>
1: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com. All right. we covered the Phillies and the Eagles. And now we're going
0: to move on to the Philadelphia 76ers who played their first preseason action on Monday night against the Brooklyn Nets and our old pal, Ben Simmons. I guess we'll get this out of the way first, right? Um, Ben Simmons looked like Ben Simmons, and I say that the good and the bad. Right, he was made some great passes, looked tremendous in transition, made some you know really great defensive plays, and menace on that end of the floor. Caused some turnovers, missed a brick the turnaround jumper, brick two free throws. It's Ben Simmons. I mean, he, he looks the same now. He's gonna fit much better on this Nets team. He's got two hall of fame perimeter players in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant that's going to help and he's going to the, the Draymond role has been what everyone has kind of linked to him and I think that is exactly how Steve Nash intends to use him and I think that's the best way to use him don't count on him don't count on him for 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 you know for a lot of points as far as just scoring the basketball he can run the offense from time to time you can do some stuff from him out of the elbow perimeter wise you know, there might not be a more versatile perimeter defender in the NBA than Ben Simmons. I really thought that Ben Simmons, his last full season, I thought he should have been defensive player of the year. I thought he was that good um, with all due respect to Rudy Gobert. I, I thought Ben Simmons was was sensational in in his last season, um, his last full season. Perimeter, uh, excuse me, interior wise, not as strong, I would say, as Draymond. He might have a little bit of tougher time. You know, everyone likes to say, oh, yeah, played Ben at the five. OK. Um, there are some matchups where I think Ben will struggle against, you know, the 76ers being one of them, uh, if he has to go up against Joel Embiid, that is not a favorable matchup for him, but yeah, there there are certainly many fives in the Eastern conference that Ben Simmons can guard and can do really well against. And the Nets are going to be able to use those lineups and they're going to have success. So, um, yeah, just Ben Simmons like Ben Simmons. I think that's, that's the long and short of it. There's really no need to go any further into it. And Tyrese Maxey looked like Tyrese Maxey, man. He looked pretty damn good. game I twenty points, four assists. His first two shots of the game are pull-up threes, and you're like, this guy, this guy's so good. Hits a runner, gets to the free throw line. I think that's a really important part of his evolution. Took six free throws, drawing three fouls. He's got to use his speed to do that. Now that he's got the jumper that the teams have to respect. After you know finishing what third in the league in three-point percentage. Teams have to respect that three. They have to respect the speed. It's going to be, he's going to be a tough guard, man. And with that, he's going to have to get opportunities at the room. He's going to have to draw fouls between Harden and Bede and then Maxi. They're going to live at the line. They should live at the line. Um, and that's not a bad way to play basketball. It really isn't. And um, I, I, you know, no, obviously, in Bede, Harden, or PJ Tucker on Monday night. Looking forward to seeing those guys perhaps make their debuts on Wednesday when the Sixers are at home uh, playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, um, no, uh, no Mobley. Unfortunately, no Evan Mobley, not one, unfortunately for the Cavaliers spring ankle. He'll be out a couple weeks. He's a guy I really want to see, but you should get, you know, perhaps your first look at Donovan Mitchell as a Cavalier. That should be interesting, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot to like about the Sixers last night. Maxie being the most notable part. Uh, D'Anthony Melton did not shoot the ball particularly well, but I thought you saw the activity level he's going to bring to the, to, to the, to the team. And, some of the stuff he can do is just kind of an all-around pretty good basketball player. Can kind of do a little bit of everything. Matisse Stiebel hits his first three. I thought it looked good coming out of his hands. He talked about in media day, less wasted motion in his shot. I thought you kind of saw that. I think he was one of three overall, but the shot looks good. Um, he looked confident taking it. Those are the big things, the, the progress. So, you know that, That'll come. Tobias Harris, again, um, a solid night. He was like, I think he had nine points, four boards, four assists. The first three he hit was off a screen. Now, if he can add that to his arsenal, being able to come off screens and hit shots and hit threes, that's another layer of his offensive game that could be really useful to him and to the Sixers, uh, especially when you look at the other weapons they have. That is a really interesting dimension that I'd like to see more of, and I'd like to see if if Tobias can kind of do a little bit more of that, because that, again, can really help him, can really help this Sixers offense be borderline unstoppable. So like to see more of that two more quick trigger threes. He took after that. They were a little off, but again, I just love the quick trigger threes. And as a team, they were just firing away, which I love to see. I J a Joe continues to be the greatest um, preseason shooter of all time. He was three of five. I think last night from three. Quirk uh, moss looked good. Granted against, you know, the dregs of the Nets roster, but Quirk had 15 to four assists and he looked good. Uh, Julian Champagny. I tell you, I was really worried about that signing after I watched him in summer league because he was just dreadful. I mean, quite frankly, he was just not good. I I don't know if he hit he hit three threes on Monday night. I don't know that he hit three threes in the entire summer league, but that's what he's known for. He's got good size. He can make shots. Um, decent rebounder off. You know, he's more of a wing player, so decent rebounder off the wing. He was more active defensively, so I don't know what it was. Maybe he had some tired legs from you know pre-draft stuff I, I don't know but he looked pretty darn good i i i like what i saw out of him i, I want to see more but uh, is one of their two-way guys uh Travelle and queen uh you know got a little banged up i hope he's all right we gotta talk about the fact that paul reed and montrez harrell are the two most chaotic backup big men in the entire nba and his sixers have both of them um paul reed was like indescribable at moments the second half it was really fun uh while he's breaking up a lot of passes and, and blocking shots it was a lot of fun um Montrezl Harrell fouled out in less than 12 minutes, which is like, is borderline impressive. And, but he's, this team is not going to lack for energy this year. That is for damn sure, which it's, it's fun. Cause that's something they did lack. They lacked athleticism. They lacked energy. They're going to have much more of both of those things this season, which I think is great. Again, love the quick sugar threes. That's got to happen when you're on a team, when you have Joel Embiid in the post and you have James Harden on the perimeter guys got to make shots. They have to make wide open shots when they get them. And I'm really intrigued to see what it looks like the rotation wise. The Sixers have a very good problem of perhaps having too many NBA caliber players for not enough rotation spots. A great problem to have considering last year it was the opposite. They did not have enough NBA players. Um, So a good problem to have. And we'll see how everything shakes out Um again, Wednesday night. They'll be back in action. I will be there at the Wells Fargo Center covering that for Liberty Ballers. Looking forward to that matchup. I'm going to end this on the Flyers, and I do want to bring up one reason to be excited. A a player that I think we can rally behind, and that's Wade Allison. He looked really good in their preseason game last week. He's a fun guy to watch. He's fiery, Scott Hartnell-esque. I would say with the way he plays kind of hard nosed power forward, not afraid to get into the greasy areas, as they say, Um, falls down a lot, but falls down a lot because he's busting his ass because he's giving it his all. So, you know, he's had some injuries the last couple of years, but when he was up two years ago, showed some flashes with the big club. What do you let's see here? He had, I mean, seven points, four goals in 14 games with the Flyers a couple of years ago. Last year was really kind of a lost season for him. Only got one game with the big club, 28 with the, with the Phantom. 17 points, 10 goals in those 28 games. This is a guy that can put the puck in the net. He's pretty skilled, still only 24 years old, a lot to like, and he's just fun. He's got the long red flowing hair, which is fun, which I enjoy. Um, Cause there's not, let's be real. There's just not that much to be excited about with this Flyers team. There's not. I really hope Carter Hart bounces back. Because I still think Carter Hart's a, a guy that can is one of the best young goaltenders in this game, and I think he can still solidify himself as a franchise goalie for this team. I thought last year he had a rough year, and I thought a lot of that, a lot of that had to do with what was going on in front of him. It's Just not a very good hockey team in front of him. I don't know how much better they're going to be this year. You know, obviously, no Ryan Ellis. You're going to be missing Sean Couturier for at least a few weeks here. Um Joel Farabee's another guy I'm a huge fan of. We'll see where he is. I know he's recovering from a neck surgery. That's something you probably don't want to mess with. I know he's been practicing and moving around. Not really uh, ramped up for contact yet, but I'm sure he'll get to that point as well. Really, it's the young guys for me with the Flyers. Like, I can't get, ex- like, respectfully. I like Cam Atkinson. I like Kevin Hayes. I can't get excited about watching them because... Uh, what this team might be an eight seed. If everything goes perfectly and John Tortorella has that effect on the team where they play hard um, and he gets the he maximizes the players on this roster, maybe they're an eight seed. Okay. That's not great. That's not really that fun. Uh, it won't be like this Phillies thing. Like the Phillies thing. I was pleasantly surprised at how excited I would be. If the flyers are an eight seed this year, I'm not going to be that excited about it. what I will be excited about is if guys like Wade Allison, and some of these other young players, whether it's, you know, I don't know, an Owen Tippett or, you know, it, it seems like a big year for Morgan Frost. Uh, you know, this like, it's like a make or break time for him. Guy who's been, a, you know, a pretty highly touted prospect who just hasn't been able to make it happen at the NHL level. Cam York, um, even a guy like a Travis Sanheim. Like they have young players that you could potentially get excited about, but they have to, they have to get you there. Um, so we're still a long ways away from that. So but I wanted to give you something something positive with the Philadelphia Flyers, something to look forward to instead of the what the Frig is going on with the Flyers segment, which will be a lot of fun as the season goes on. That's going to wrap it up here for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation podcast network. Please rate, subscribe, download wherever you get your podcasts. I am Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you all next time.